A pastor once shared the story about a woman named Maria and her daughter Christina who lived in Brazil. Maria was a single mother who worked hard to support her daughter as she grew up. They were by no means rich. They lived in a small house with dirt floors and few amenities. But they had all that they needed and they were happy together. Christina quickly grew into a beautiful woman with a contagious laugh and a lovely personality. As Christina came into her teenage years, she longed to leave their poor village and live in a big city nearby. However, her mother discouraged her, knowing that a life in the city would be cruel to her young and beautiful daughter. But one morning, Maria woke up and found that Christina was gone. She knew in her heart that her daughter had set off to her adventure in the city, and Maria feared the worst. So she quickly threw a bag of clothes together, got what little money she had, and ran out the door. She went to a nearby store and printed out as many pictures as she could afford, and then she went to the city. Everywhere Maria went, every bar, every club, motel, and hotel, she found a place to put a picture as she looked for her daughter. Finally, after Maria felt that she had done all that she could, after she had exhausted all of her resources, she went home, even though she had not found her daughter. One day a while later, Christina, who was in the same city, was regretting her decisions. She had abandoned her mother and fallen into the promiscuous work her mother had feared for her. Christina felt like there was no going back. One evening, as she walked down a set of hotel stairs, she saw a familiar face on a mirror in the lobby. She realized it was a picture of her mother. Christina slowly walked over to it and took it off the mirror. When she did, she noticed that something was on the back and turned it over. That's when she saw the note that her mother had written on every single picture she hung up around the city. It said, whatever you have done, whatever you have become, it doesn't matter. Please come home. And that's exactly what Christina did. Believers, have you ever found yourself far from God? Have you ever had those moments where you looked around and realized that you were no longer standing in the warm embrace of your Savior because you had wandered from Him into the cold darkness of the world and sin? There are times when we will fall and fail as Christians. Sometimes it's that we make what seems to be one great big mistake, or we go through a season of wandering, and many times it's in those, those failings that we start to think, there's no going back. There's no hope for me. Surely Jesus Christ is finished with me. Oh, but these are the lies our enemy tells us, whispering in our ears so that we might stay hopeless. All the while, the Lord calls out to our hearts to come home, to return to Him. This morning, as we turn to the conclusion of the Gospel of John, in John chapter 21, we will look at the story of a believer who may have faced similar doubts and thoughts and feelings. As we do, we will find many truths that we must remember when we stray in this life, believers. Let's look there together in John chapter 21. Beginning in verse 1, it says, Afterward, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee. It happened this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, also known as Didymus, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples were together. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them. And they said, we'll go with you. So they went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. 
All right, let's really capture the scene and the setting that John brings us into. We find that on this day, these seven disciples of Jesus were not hidden behind locked doors anymore, as we saw here recently. Jesus had told them that he was going to go ahead of them to Galilee. It's most likely why we find them there now. That's when Peter, who always seems to be on the move, active, doing or saying something, says he's going fishing. Remember, before following Jesus, Simon, Peter, and the sons of Zebedee were all fishermen. But on this night, these experienced fishermen came up empty. Nothing to show for all their hard work. That must have been frustrating. Have you ever put your mind to a project, work hard, and found that all of your efforts were fruitless? Soon the work and the lack of results is all we can focus on. We become preoccupied with them. Everything else fades out of view. Maybe that's why they didn't recognize Jesus as he stood on the shore that morning. They were too busy with disappointment. Maybe they didn't recognize him because of the early morning fog. Or maybe it is simply that Jesus did not allow them to immediately recognize him. Either way, Jesus was there. They just didn't know it. And how many times do we go about our lives, our business, our ups, our downs, completely unaware of the Lord's presence? Sometimes it's because we're too preoccupied to lift up our eyes to him. Sometimes it's because we've intentionally drifted away from him. But believers, hold on to this truth throughout our time together this morning. Jesus is never far from his people. Let's see what happened next in verse 5. He called out to them, Friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, Throw your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Let's pause just right here. You know, Jesus Jesus had told the disciples to go to Galilee. They would see him there. But he didn't tell the disciples to go fishing. Maybe they were just hungry. Maybe they were restless from all the waiting. Maybe they just wanted something normal. Something familiar after all they had been through. Of course, if they had simply stayed put waiting for Jesus in Galilee, they wouldn't have had a frustrating night of fishing. and They may have even seen Jesus sooner. But now the Lord is on the shore and they're out there in the water because they didn't stay put. Many times we get restless about things in life and soon we aren't even paying attention to the Lord's command. We start moving through life our way, getting distracted by the things of this world. We drift from where we need to be. And it's always fruitless when we do that. We'll always come up empty. But recognize, believers, that while we drift from Jesus, he is still near. We need only to listen to his voice again and obey his commands. The disciples, still unaware this is Jesus speaking, toss their nets over and haul in an incredible catch of fish. In fact, this may have reminded some of us of a similar story in Luke chapter 5, where at the Sea of Galilee... Jesus had told Peter to cast his nets for a catch after an unsuccessful night of fishing. The catch that resulted was so large, the nets began to break. That was when Jesus called Peter to become a fisher of men. Here they were again, years later, after the death and resurrection of Jesus, bringing in another miraculous catch of fish. Often we will find that in obedience, it's much easier to see our Savior and to experience his provision. But let's see what this was all leading up to. Look at verse 7. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, It is the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, It is the Lord, 
he wrapped his outer garment around him, for he had taken it off, and jumped into the water. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from shore, about a hundred yards. When they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish you have just caught. So Simon Peter climbed back into the boat and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153. But even with so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came, took the bread, and gave it to them, and did the same with the fish. This was now the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. Suddenly, John realizes it's Jesus on the shore who called out to them. That's when Peter jumped in and swam to Jesus. I love Peter's response here. And he is the disciple we are going to start to focus in on for the rest of the morning. Peter had this love-bound desperation to get to Jesus. He didn't have any thoughts of, well, I'll see Jesus soon enough when we get to the shore. Or, you know, it'll be more convenient to go by boat. Now, as soon as he realized Jesus was there, Peter was off in the water, swimming as fast as he could towards him. That was Peter. Impulsive, quick to act. Sometimes it got him into trouble. A couple weeks ago, we read about a great failure of Simon Peter. When Jesus was arrested by his enemies, all the disciples fled from the Lord. Then Peter and John mustered the courage to follow Jesus for the trials, although they followed at a distance. While Peter was standing in the courtyard, several approached him about being a follower of Jesus. But three times Peter denied it. The last time he said emphatically, I don't know the man. Peter was within eyesight of the Lord because Luke's gospel tells us as the rooster crowed, they locked eyes. And Peter went out and wept bitterly. Peter was heartbroken over his sin, as all Christians should be when we fail the Lord. Personally, I think that Peter may have even felt worthless afterwards. Or like he had committed some sort of unforgivable sin, or that Jesus wouldn't want him anymore. Have you ever felt that way about your sin? Irredeemable? Lost? Hopeless? Gripped by guilt, Peter must have been in a place of deep anguish while Jesus was in the grave. And then he saw the risen Lord. Luke chapter 24 and 1 Corinthians 15 indicate that the Lord appeared at one point just to Peter, although we don't know the details of that appearing. I think that may have been when Peter fell on his knees in repentance and received the Lord's forgiveness. Yet it would not surprise me if Peter's heart still felt as far from the Lord in John 21 as the boat was from the shore. He wanted to be near his Savior, so it's no surprise he jumped out of the boat. Believers, there are times when we will fail our Lord, when we will sin, when we'll stray. We'll know when this happens, because for those of us who are followers of Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit lives within us, and he will convict our hearts when we sin. We'll understand that we've disobeyed, that we've stepped away from the Lord. It's our enemy that tries to pile on the shame and who says it's too late for us now. All the while, Jesus is calling us to return to him. Listen to what James chapter 4, verses 7 through 10 tells us. It says, Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Listen to verse 8. Come near to God, and he will come near to you. 
Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Grieve, mourn, and wail. Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will lift you up. Submit to the Lord, resist the devil, and come near to the Savior of your soul, believer. When we stray from the Lord in our sin and selfishness, and we feel that distance between us and him, we can choose to stay in that place. In the emptiness of sin, wallowing in guilt and shame, believing the enemy's lies that God wants nothing to do with us. Or we can recognize that God is calling out to us to draw near to him, that he's waiting for us with open arms. In our love for him, we should repent of that sin, humble ourselves, and like Peter, we should be eager to race back towards Jesus. Let's keep going. Look at verse 15. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Let's remember who it is that we are looking here with this disciple. Let's remember what we've learned about Peter up to this point throughout the book of John. Remember that Peter, Peter was bold. I mean, he was the only disciple bold enough to walk out on the water with Jesus. Peter was outspoken. In John chapter 13, Peter claimed he would follow Jesus to the death. Peter was self-confident. When Jesus told the disciples they would flee from him at his arrest, Peter said, even if all fall away on account of you, I never will. But on the night that Jesus was arrested, Peter abandoned the Lord and denied even knowing him. Peter wasn't found at the foot of the cross when Jesus hung there dying. It's no wonder we find a much humbler Peter here. Jesus started by asking, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? There are several words for love in the Greek language. The one Jesus used here is a form of the Greek word agape which is the deepest love, a love of true commitment. Jesus says, do you love me more than these other disciples here? Hadn't Peter made such bold claims in the past comparing himself to the others? Peter says, you know that I love you. Peter used a different Greek word for love, a form of the Greek word philia, which is Uh, an affection or fondness between friends. It's as though Peter is saying, I do love you. I just know that I haven't proved that agape love. You'll notice Peter also wasn't trying to compete with the others either when he answered. Then Jesus asks, do you love me? Comparison to the others aside, do you love me with that agape love? In other words, do you love me with all your heart? Keep in mind, believers, that Jesus said that that is the first and the greatest commandment, to love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Do you love me with all your heart? If Jesus asked each of us that right now, how would we respond? 
Again, Peter responded with that, that philia love, that fondness, that affection. That's all he can muster in his heart to claim. So when Jesus asked the third time, he came down to Peter's level and used the same word, phileo, that philia love. Do not think that was lost on Peter when Jesus used the same word, nor was it lost on Peter the significance of Jesus asking this question three times, just as Peter had denied the Lord three times. Here, Peter affirmed his love for Jesus and showed a humility that had not been characteristic of him before. A humility that would be necessary for Peter to be an effective leader of believers, the Lord's sheep. Peter needed to return in humility to the Lord he loved. And here he did that. Believers, when we stray from the Lord, in our guilt, we start to think that the Lord doesn't love us anymore. But it's not his love towards us that's grown cold. It's the other way around. Our sin shows that we're not loving the Lord with all our hearts, with the deepest of love. So we should be heartbroken over our sin, over those moments when we stray. When our hearts are convicted, the purpose is that we would run back to him for forgiveness and fall into his embrace. Peter needed to return to his greatest love, Jesus Christ, and then demonstrate his love through obedience in leading God's people. Because you'll notice that the Lord wasn't done with Peter. There was still much for Peter to do now as he stepped back into fellowship with Jesus. And the Lord is not done with you either, believer. Even if you've strayed. But he's waiting for you to return to him. Peter did, and Peter would faithfully fulfill the role that Jesus had for him. Jesus said this in verse 18. Very truly I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands, and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, follow me. Peter turned and saw that the disciple whom Jesus loved was following them. This was the one who leaned back against Jesus at the supper and had said, Lord, who is going to betray you? When Peter saw him, he asked, Lord, what about him? Jesus answered, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? You must follow me. Because of this, the rumor spread among the believers that this disciple would not die. But Jesus did not say that he would not die. He only said, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? This is the disciple who testifies to these things and who wrote them down. We know that his testimony is true. Jesus did many other things as well. If every one of them were written down, I suppose that even the whole world would not have room for the books that would be written. What an amazing gospel that we have moved through together these many weeks. And believers, Peter did not need to be worried right now with the Lord's plan for John. Peter needed to be focused on Jesus and on fulfilling the role Jesus was giving him. Peter did lead God's people until the day he died. When Peter was led out to his own cross, his hands were stretched out and he was killed for following Jesus Christ. But Peter faithfully lived for the Lord. And it began here with his repentance and humility, with returning to the Lord he loved. The Lord wasn't done with Peter, and he isn't done with you either, believer. Believers, when we stray from the Lord in this life, we should be heartbroken over sin. But we were not meant to live in this perpetual, continued state of crushing guilt and shame. 
Rather, when we are convicted over sin, we should humble ourselves and go to Jesus in repentance. We may have wandered far from him in our hearts, but he is not too far from us. He still calls out to our wayward hearts. We need to run back to our Lord in love and pursue him above all others and all sin. When we do, we'll find that he isn't done with us. He still has a purpose, an area of service, and a love for us that will never fade away. So let's not allow our love for him to fade away. Remember this truth this morning, believers, that the same Lord who saved us from hell wants to save us from our own wandering. Remember, the same Lord who saved us from hell wants to save us from our own wandering. In other words, don't fall into that trap of thinking, yes, yes, Jesus saved me of all my sins, but now I've really done it. Now I'm too far gone. He can't save me and won't save me anymore. Believers, he's waiting for you to come back to him. He's waiting for us to draw near to him again when we stray. We have everything that we need in Jesus Christ. And while Jesus did many other things on this earth, he has given us all we need in Scripture to live for him. And I'm so glad that includes the truths about his love for our wandering hearts. Truths about his forgiveness and his grace. Let's not abuse these things, but let's embrace them and live for him. And believers, when we stray, let's run back to Jesus quickly. Maybe that's what some of us need to do here this morning. Maybe some of us need to return to Jesus Christ. Because we've made a great big mistake, or many mistakes. We find ourselves in this season of wandering, and it is time to make our hearts right with the Lord who loves us and is calling out to us. And maybe you are joining us, and Jesus Christ isn't your Savior. You have never given your life to him. If that's true, then understand that you haven't received his forgiveness, that you don't have a relationship with him, and that you have not received eternal life either. But please know that Jesus has been waiting for you to come to him all your life. Friend, if Jesus isn't your Savior, the Bible says the problem is that you, me, everyone, we've all sinned. We've done wrong things. We've broken God's commands. And the reason this is a problem is because our sin separates us from God. Not just in this life, but when this life is over, we'll be separated forever from God in a place called hell because that is the just punishment for our sin. But Jesus, in his great love for us, came to this earth and died on the cross to take the penalty for your sin and mine. After he died on the cross, he was buried, and three days later powerfully rose from the dead, proving that he is the Son of God, that he is the only one who can save us. And because he lives, we too can live through faith in him. We can receive eternal life. And friend, no matter where you've been in life, no matter how much you have run from the truth of God's word, he has been waiting for you. And today, you can receive his forgiveness. You can receive that eternal life that he offers to all those who come to him in faith. And you can do that right now. Let's pray together. If you have never made that decision, but you'd like to do that today, please know that wherever you are, you can go to Jesus Christ in prayer. And by faith, you can admit to him that you know that you're a sinner, but that you know he died on the cross for your sins. You believe he didn't stay in the grave, but that he rose from the dead. And you can give him your life. And friends, he will save you. He will forgive you. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray that if there is anyone joining us who has never made that decision, that today, today they would give their heart to Jesus Christ. 
that today they would receive that forgiveness and eternal life that you offer. And Father, I pray that for any believers joining us today who find themselves in that place where they have been wandering, where they're not walking with you, they're walking in a season of sin, they've bought into the lies that you are done with them, I pray that you would call out to their hearts, that your spirit would convict them of sin, that they would fall on their knees in repentance and run back to your arms. Uh, forgive us for the times that we stray. But in those times, help us to return to you, to remember your love for us, your grace, your mercy, your forgiveness that are available, and then help us to begin living for you again, that you might be glorified through our lives. Father, we love you, but you prove time and time again that you love us more, and we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen.